While your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Well, good evening. Good evening. I'm Chris McCarthy. This is South Coast Tonight. Now, Marcus is not with us tonight. Marcus will be back on Monday. He's at a wedding, enjoying himself. So tonight, we're going to have a great show. Great, great, great show. You can give me a call at 508-996-0500. Now, at 8 o'clock, we're going to be joined by Maureen Boyle. We're going to discuss her two books. One book on the New Bedford Highway serial killer. And the other book called The Ghost which is about a murderer who was on America's Most Wanted list, but somehow was able to live in New Bedford and Dartmouth. He lived out his life. He died here, was buried in his own backyard. How would the FBI never find him? It's an amazing story. Maureen Boyle will be here from 8 to 10. She'll be taking her phone calls as well. There's a lot to go over with these two books. They're great books. The Ghost... And, of course, Shallow Graves by Maureen Boyle. Of course, you remember Maureen Boyle from, from my previous shows. And um, she was a Standard Times reporter for years. In fact, she wrote the very first story on the missing girls. Before we ever knew they were dead, before anyone knew. Her great police sources told her there's something wrong. Maureen, there's something wrong. She wrote the story, Where Are the Girls? Where Are These Missing Girls? We're going to go over all that with Maureen tonight. You can give us a call and ask her a question or make a comment at 508-996-0500. In the first hour, we'll be taking your phone calls, 508-996-0500. I do want to continue off of what I was doing last night, um, which is I'm going over the lawsuit that's been filed against us, the taxpayers of Bristol County and the taxpayers of Massachusetts, by some uh, former detainees of the Bristol County House of Corrections. They were there as immigration violations, okay? They had violate, violated the immigration laws in various ways, and they were locked up at the Bristol County House of Correction, um, being held by Tom Hodgson, and they threw a riot. Remember that? They threw a riot over there. And now they're suing the, the jail. They're suing the sheriff. They're ultimately suing the taxpayers for $10 million, right? $10 million they want, Um because they feel they were manhandled when the when the jail was attempting to put the riot down. Now, folks, the people who work at the jail, the House of Correction, the corrections officers, if you will, those are our neighbors. There are many of cases our friends. They're local people, right? They were charged with with um with detaining these illegal, in most cases, illegal immigrants, right? Or people who overstayed their visas and were therefore illegal immigrants. But there were people with, with, who were awaiting deportation in some cases. They have a legal team, and now they're suing the jail, and they're suing you, the taxpayer. So we had one of the, the, the inmates. He called in, and I thought it was great radio. I'm glad he did. Um, and you can find the uh, some of that up, up at WBSM.com on our podcast as well, but also some of the news stories at WBSM.com. The, the, the audio is available. But we have – that guy's name is Marco. He's, he's from Italy. And I, I told you about some of his criminal record, right? Um. The fact that he's claiming the sheriff beat him up. He's making all these claims against the, the corrections officers. 
But among the things he's been con- he's been convicted of are, are making false accusations, fraud. He's got restraining orders against him, protective orders. People are afraid of him. His, his former uh, spouse, the mother of his children, even her parents are afraid of him. So I want you to take that into account when, you, when, he, when he makes these allegations against our sheriff and the, and the uh, corrections officers over at the, uh, the Bristol County House of Corrections. So I, I have other, other, other cases that have been filed in the federal courts regarding these, um, some of these folks. So I thought I'd, I'd tell you a little bit more. We learned about Marco the other night. I, I gave you the information on his case. But he's not the only one. He's not the only one. Now, it took me a while to go through these documents. There's a lot of them. And I had to match them up with the people who are actually suing the sheriff, okay? Uh, not, every, not every detainee is suing the sheriff. Certain detainees are suing the sheriff. And I have information on certain detainees that are suing the sheriff. Okay? And these are filings from federal court. So I think that's an important thing for you as the subject of this lawsuit, right? If the sheriff loses, you're going to be the ones paying as taxpayers. So, so you're a party to this lawsuit, whether you realize it or not. You may not feel that way on a Friday night that you're the party to a lawsuit, but trust me, you are. And here's the guy that's suing you. Jao Lima Fernandez. Jao Lima Fernandez is a citizen and a national of Cape Verde. He came to the United States as a lawful permanent resident in October of 1990. Okay, that's how long he's been here, since 1990. He is currently subject to a mandatory detention, okay, because he was convicted of possession of a firearm. So he's, he's, this is when he was trying to get out, right? He wanted to get out because of COVID. This, this, this was filed in federal court. He'd been convicted of possession of an illegal firearm. He was convicted of a firearm violation on 2000, in 2004, in January 2004. He was convicted of possession of a firearm, assault and battery with a dangerous weapon, assault and battery with a dangerous weapon. Okay, he was convicted of those. In addition to his 2004 conviction, he's been arrested for homicide. Let me repeat that. In addition to his conviction for assault and battery with a dangerous weapon and his firearm violation, he's been arrested for homicide. He's been arrested for assault. He's been arrested for possession with intent to distribute Class B substance, generally cocaine. He's been convicted, or rather arrested, for conspiracy to violate drug dependency laws. Trespassing, receiving stolen property, unlicensed carrying of a firearm, interfering with the police, disorderly conduct, and disturbing the peace. Again, in November of 2014, so he was convicted of possession of a firearm and assault and battery back in 2004. Ten years later, 2014, he was convicted of possession of a large capacity firearm, possession of ammunition, possession of a loaded firearm, and possession of a firearm, a rifle in that case. He was sentenced to six to ten years. This is the guy suing you, claiming the sheriff beat him up. He fits into the court's original category of original um, of category. It's called a category five individuals with criminal convictions for violent crimes, which the court determined was 
not ready to be released because of COVID, all right? But this guy is now suing the sheriff, okay? Not only has he been, he's been convicted twice of, for serious firearms violations, as well as violent crimes, and he's been arrested for homicide. Now, one of the other reasons that they were asking him to remain in ICE custody is because the pending homicide charge is still awaiting, awaiting adjudication, adjudication, okay? So in other words, he's never served trial for the homicide charge. He's in custody for homicide. He's yet to go to trial as, as of this, when this was filed, okay? Back a couple of years ago, during the, during the original part of the COVID break, right? He wanted to get out of jail. They said, we can't let him out. He's, wait, we're waiting, he's awaiting trial on a homicide charge. That's the guy who today is suing the sheriff for $10 million. $10 million. Of course, you know about Marco. We got to meet Marco the other night. Now, these inmates, who they, they started a riot. They were involved in a riot at the jail. And in an effort to put the riot down, there was pepper spray used. They used dogs, muzzled dogs. The sheriff himself was assaulted. He was hit with a chair from behind. Now, folks, whether you like Tom Hodge and agree with Tom Hodge and don't agree with him, he's a symbol of American justice, American law and order. He's a symbol of the people hired, that we hire and elect to stand up for our rights. And these folks who weren't supposed to be in the country physically assaulted him. They hit him with a chair. Think about what they do to you. Next up, Conrad, Conroy Desmond Lewis. Conroy Desmond Lewis. He's a citizen and a national of Jamaica. I like Jamaica. I go to Jamaica. Um, he comes this way. He entered the United States as an unlawful permanent resident, as a rather as a lawful permanent resident, okay, in 2004. And he's currently being held with mandatory detention. He has multiple convictions in Connecticut for controlled substance violations. In 2018, Mr. Lewis was convicted of possession with intent to sell a controlled substance. He was sentenced to five years of imprisonment. In 2017, a year prior, he was convicted of possession with intent to sell a controlled substance and sentenced to three years imprisonment. In May of 2009, you seen a pattern here? He was convicted of three counts of possession of a controlled substance and sentenced to one year imprisonment for each count. So you can see that he's come to America and he's here selling drugs. And he's been convicted of it. Multiple accounts on multiple years of selling drugs, controlled substances. Mr. Lewis has also been convicted for criminal trespassing, carrying a dangerous weapon, reckless endangerment, threatening and disorderly conduct. He's also been arrested and has charges pending for disorderly conduct, threatening, disturbing the peace, traffic offenses, and failure to appear. That guy's suing you for $10 million. The taxpayers of Bristol County, New Bedford, Fall River, Freetown, right? Matt Poise, you're off the hook on this one. Although you're a state taxpayer, you're on the hook, I guess. While Mr. Lewis claims to have no gang affiliations, he, doesn't have, he claims he doesn't have any gang affiliations. 
He has tattoos that are similar to those of a known gang. He consistently wears attire consistent with a known gang. He shows gang hand symbols. And he associates with individuals displaying known gang symbols. He's subject to a mandatory detention based on his criminal convictions. And he poses a threat to public safety as evidenced by his multiple drug convictions and arrests. He's the one who wants you to believe that he was assaulted by the, by the corrections officers at Bristol County House of Correction. That the sheriff insulted him, right? That's the guy. He's got, a, he's got a legal team. And I think a lot of people sympathetic to him. You can read the article that Marcus wrote about the comments made by the Democrats who are running against Tom Hodgson. Read their comments. Because I would say the most involved you're going to get in this is you're going to have an opportunity to vote in November. You're going to have an opportunity to vote in the Democrat primary if you so choose. And then whoever wins that primary will face Tom Hodgson in November. And you'll have an opportunity to vote in that election. Go to WBSM.com. Read the comments of the Democrat candidates. And how they feel about the inmates. Their sympathies towards the inmates. Who are suing the sheriff and the, and the, and the staff over at the Bristol County House of Correction. The very famous, same facility they're attempting to run. The list goes on. Flavio Andre Pravo Jr. Andre Pravo, he's a citizen and a national of Brazil. He admittedly entered the United States illegally. So he's here illegally. He's currently detained at the time of this, which is 2020. He came to the attention of ICE Homeland Security. Uh, investigation, the investigations attache in Brasilia, based upon information received from a civilian police agent in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, in reference to an arrest warrant issued for the Brazilian national identified as Flavio Andrade Prado Jr., who was born in 1978. They wanted to recapture him. Brazil wanted to recapture this gentleman who was being held by ICE in, in, at, at Tom Hodgins' jail. They wanted to recapture him because he escaped from jail in Brazil. This guy escaped from jail in Brazil. He's one of the people involved in the riot that claims they were assaulted by the, by the staff at the jail. He escaped the jails of Brazil. What do you think he was trying to do in the riot over there at the Bristol County House of Correction? Now he's suing for $10 million. But that's not all. Andre Pravo Jr. was convicted in Brazil for the crime of rape. He's a convicted rapist, folks. This is the guy who's trying to sue the sheriff. He is suing the sheriff and the taxpayers of Bristol County for $10 million, a convicted rapist from Brazil who came to the country illegally and was involved in a riot over there that the good corrections officer of Bristol County had to put down using dogs and pepper spray. He claims that he was wrongly convicted in Brazil. That claim was presented to an immigration judge here in America who rejected that claim. $2,000,000 
two immigration judges, not one, but two immigration judges rejected that argument. Rejected the argument that he was wrongly convicted of rape. They claim they find they find the uh, the fact that the the, the the questions of the rape conviction are very very suspicious. These according to court filings. American criminal records also indicate that Andre Prado was arrested and charged with driving without a license in September of 2012. He also used his brother's name when he was arrested. So here's a guy who wants us to believe him about what happened at the jail, but when arrested. He's using his brother's name here in America, the convicted rapist. He also misused his brother's identity in 2008 when he traveled to Brazil, from Brazil to the United States, using his brother's passport. He's been convicted of rape, and there's an outstanding warrant for him in Brazil. He's a risk to public safety. He escaped from a Brazilian jail, and he's used a false identity on at least two, two occasions. That's just another one of the inmates who's suing you, the taxpayers of Bristol County, because you had the audacity, your agents had the audacity, to prevent a riot, to stop a riot, to stop an overthrow of the jail at the Bristol County House of Corrections. Let me, let me, let me posture this. There was no way on that day that they, they rioted that the sheriff of Bristol County, Tom Hodgson, and his staff could have stood down and let those inmates take over that jail. You cannot let a foreign national convicted of bribery and rather fraud and various crimes in their home country to include rape, people with drug dealing charges, people with, with, with a homicide charge, Take over a jail in America. Tom Hodgson had no choice. He and his staff could never have stood down. While these foreigners, which very serious to include homicide charges pending against them, took over that jail. He had no choice, folks. He had to use the hounds. Muzzled though they were. They had to resort to pepper spray. Quite frankly... It's nothing but the training and discipline of the Bristol County House of Corrections staff that someone wasn't killed that day trying to retake that prison. Folks, these people have escaped from foreign jails. And they were down the street from us. If it wasn't for the discipline and the training of the staff at the Bristol County House of Correction, you could have had a bloodbath over there. But instead, they lived another day. Instead, because of the discipline and the training and the leadership of Tom Hodgson's staff, those immigrants, legal or otherwise, lived another day. They lived another day to file a lawsuit against us. Right? They're only alive today because Tom Hodgson used restraint to retake his prison. Folks, I want you to run that up against the folks that are running against him who will be in this studio at some point to debate him and debate each other, and we'll ask him questions. 
What would they have done? Would they have turned the prison over to the illegal aliens? To the rapists? To the guy standing trial for homicide? To the drug dealers? To the gun owners? Not not legitimate gun owners. The guy who had the high-capacity magazine for a firearm? That guy? Down the road from us in the jail? Is that what they would have done? 508-996-0500. Remember, at uh, 8 o'clock, we'll have Maureen Boyle to discuss the uh, New Bedford Highway serial killer and her other book on the escape, on the inmate uh, who murdered a police officer and then lived out the rest of his life, allegedly on the run, in a house in New Bedford. And in Dartmouth. That book's called The Ghost. You can, look, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it at local bookstores. Shallow uh, Graves and... Um, and the Ghost by Maureen Boyle. All right, folks, I'm going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Yes. McCarthy. As I said, Mark Marcus is uh, on, uh, not vacation, he's at a wedding, uh, having fun down the Cape this weekend. But he'll be back on Monday. He'll be back on Monday. Uh, God willing, right? I used to make that joke all the time that, it, <laughs> that I didn't show up for a couple months. Um, 508-996-0500. Remember, as I said, at 8 o'clock, we'll have Maureen Boyle here in the studio talking about the New Bedford Highway Killer, as well as her other book called The Ghost, which is a fascinating book. But until then, I'll be taking your phone calls at 508-996-0500. I have, looks like, two phone lines open if you'd like to get through. Good morning. Thanks for calling. Good afternoon, rather. Hello? Hello, yes, you're on the air. Oh, wow, didn't even know. How are you tonight, Chris? Good, how are you doing? All right, it sounds like you're uh, raging over that Hodgkinson riot. It's a big deal, man. Oh, yeah, I've heard about it. I've, I've It's, it's on, online and everything else. So um, I want to mention two things. First, the highway killer call, yeah. the ladies coming on tonight. I actually know somebody that had an encounter with the highway killer. They know who he was. He was a lawyer. That's and, one of the uh, allegations, they, yeah. He wanted to pick her up, and um, it was my girlfriend's sister. She's clean and sober now, but this was years ago. He wanted to pick her up, and my girlfriend's mother seen him and says, I know who you are. You mother effer, I'm going to call the cops. I know you're the effing highway killer. He took off. I mean, he peeled away and uh, it probably saved my girlfriend's sister's life. Was but, she out uh, on the street at the time? Yeah, she's yeah. working on the streets. But right. her mother, I don't want to really get into my No, no, it's okay. I understand. I understand. They've had their skeletons. And I think all our families have had skeletons in the closet somewhere anyway, but... Um, back to Hodgkinson. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't like Hodgkinson. Um, I'm not a big fan of his, but I will tell you what I know about him. He has a lot of connections. He's very powerful. He has money. These guys that are taking him to court are not going to win. Just like these guys that are running against him are not going to win. He's going to be sheriff until the day he wants to call it quits. I agree with you. He's a very powerful guy. He knows a lot of people. He even knows Donald Trump, but he he knows a lot of people. He has a lot of connections. He's very well respected yeah. around the around the country. Yeah, some people say he's corrupt. No, come on. They're, they're all corrupt. <laughs> all the politicians are corrupt. 
Um, I would I would tell you this if there was anything on Tom Hodgson, um, they they would have gone for it. They really, I mean, the guy is they. The more Healy has, has looked at him every which way, but she's never filed charges against him. Nothing. Uh, I really have no deals with him. I don't end up right. in prison. No, no, that's good. Please fine. don't. It'd be expensive to make the phone call to call me. Uh, I will. I'll definitely call you from prison. <laughs> but in the meantime, call me from home. <laughs> Okay, but please, too. please give me a call when, when Maureen comes in. I'd be interested to hear you to tell that story. I know, obviously, sanitize it, but but um, Maureen would love to hear that story as well. All right. Well, I, first, before I really yeah, go get ahead. into it, I want to talk to my girlfriend about it to see if it's okay because it's really, it's really touchy for her. I would imagine, yeah. She, I don't know if she really wants her family's stuff out here. Sure. So. Well, just don't use any names, please. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'll call back when she comes back. All right, brother, I, thanks. Thank you for the call. I think but I, hold on. I think your buddy Hodgson's is going to be okay. I think he's going <laughs> to win. I think he's going to get off this lawsuit easily. Um, that guy that did call, somebody tipped him off that he was going to be out here. Isn't it interesting? That's exactly why he called. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? How does that guy have that kind of a network? Who's backing him up? I don't know, but yeah. I know Sheriff Hodgson can use that against him. Well, I, I agree with you. I mean, look, it's a podcast. The, the recording's out there for anyone who wants it, friend or foe. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, 508 if you'd like to give us a call. Uh, kind of open phones right now if you want to talk about the lawsuit with Tom Hodgson and, and the information I gave you about the uh, the people who are suing him. And those come from federal court filings that I that I that I extracted, um, and of course, again at eight o'clock we'll have a morning boil. She'll she'll be with us for two hours tonight, talking about the the highway killer and the um, the other murderer who who lived his whole life after killing a police officer in New Bedford and Dartmouth. It's an incredible story. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Let me see. I have one phone line open. Let's go to the phones. Good evening. Thanks for holding. Chris. Yes. Hey, I um. I caught you a little earlier talking about this guy, Marco. Yes. And he was in jail for possession of an illegal gun. Was that it? No, he was in jail for um, for, for, for threatening the wife, of the, the mother of his child. He was in jail. He's got convictions for bankruptcy fraud, making false accusations. Um, he's, got, he's got a whole, I actually have all the charges right here. Uh, he, he, was, he was not a firearms charge, not a firearms charge. Okay, okay. And um, <clears throat> so he deserves a fair trial. No, yes. I don't think anybody would ever argue that. Right. Um, but there's obviously enough evidence to put him in jail behind bars temporarily while his court case was to come. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Right. <clears throat> so the system that we have in place put this guy in jail, the system that we all believe is the only system we have, which, whether you like it or not, it's, it's the only one we have. Right, and, uh, right. <laughs> um, and so so, um, so what I don't, what I really don't understand is, and I have less resentment towards this guy than I do the people that will come to his aid as if he's a saint right. and want to persecute uh, uh, Tom Hodgson. And my thought is, is that they just assume that Tom Hodgson is guilty without even having a court date. You know? Right, they're right. They're doing to him what they don't want done to them. It's a great know? point. It's a great point. What, what, they, what, what I find interesting is that um, the danger for a lot of these people who don't like Tom Hodgson is that they run into the arms of these characters, right? They they automatically yeah. side with these people because they're against Tom Hodgson, right? Um, this yep. guy Marco, uh, who I who I 
we, we, who actually called the program, and I appreciate it the other night. How did, he, how did he do that? Was he was he in jail when he called? He's out of jail. He's out of jail right now, and I, okay. I can't explain why. But Channel Twelve had him on, and um, he was able to call here. He was arrested in 2019 in Connecticut and charged with multiple counts of criminal violations of a restraining order, multiple counts of harassment, and he also has um. Three cases pending before the Superior Court of Connecticut, including criminal violation of restraining order, felony violations of a protective order, and harassment. Um, and um, they arrested him. ICE arrested him um, for um, you know for immigration violations. Okay, mm-hmm. um, he had come to the country and basically overstayed, which a lot of people do. And uh, yeah. and then he got while he was here as a guest. He also committed, he allegedly committed these other crimes. So then he was being held at the jail, and then there was the riot that they had. Right. And he was involved in, in assaulting guards and assaulting the sheriff, and he's suing the yeah. suing Bristol County, saying they assaulted him for putting down the riot. So yeah. I wanted people at home to know that these are the guys that, that, that are suing you. You know, I mean, that's what they're in jail for. Yeah. Rape yeah. charge. Convicted, some of them are convicted rapists. Uh, but it's it's it's, it's I, I understand that some people are going to be these criminals. That's part of it, the the role play in our society, like it or not. We're going to have bad people. We're going to have good people. Right. And 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 we want to be able to provide attorneys for these people. Yes. But to provide these, I, I, I this is where I lose respect for the left, is when they coddle these creeps, and they that's what they do. They coddle these creeps, and. What they don't, re- what the left doesn't realize is that these creeps will do the same thing to them. Absolutely, they, they absolutely. Don't, really, they don't understand that. They, 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 that's for the clue. They, they think that they're going to love these people, um, that they're going to love the left because they 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 um, they fall for their, you know, their lives or their stories or they take their side, whatever the case may be. They'll they'll do the same thing to them just as quickly as they would to anybody else. You know, you're making an excellent point, Carla. When yesterday, well, rather when when the sheriff was on, yeah, yesterday, Marlene, uh, day before rather, Marlene Pollack, who's a former school committee member here and leads the coalition for social justice, and she's very much involved in the protests against the sheriff, and very much involved with uh, with the left, right? She's a member of the hard left. She very seemed very familiar with Marco. She was talking about him like they were friends when she was on the air with us, uh, right? She seems to be very close to this inmate and other inmates over there, right? Now she's very close to, for instance, Haru. Her husband gave $1,000 to the mayor of Attleboro, who's running against, for, against the sheriff. For, for he's a Democrat, one of the Democrats running. Um, uh, Haru, for, he's the mayor of Attleboro. She, her husband gave him $1,000. She gave him, I think, $250. She's very close. She's also yeah. very close, clearly, from her own conversations on the radio with this inmate, Marco, who helped lead that riot over there. So what the hell is going on? It's crazy. It's it's, it's- and, and and this is and what I think. The I think the real awakening is coming is that actual people left and right are seeing this and seeing that, that, that you know a lot of people on the left have kids. They want their kids safe too. You sure, know what I mean? Sure. And 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 they're starting to see this. This is just so crazy. It's such crazy stuff that it's almost as if it's a played out mental illness of some sort. Sometimes. I, I like listening to Mark to Marcus. I respect him so much. I can listen to him all the I will disagree with him ninety five percent of the time. Sure. But him and I can have a conversation. He's a good guy. Mark's a real good guy. He's a great guy. And I remember when you brought him on at first and said, Who is that? <laughs> you know, I didn't like him at all. But when he had his own Saturday show, I used to call him and encourage him every single time because we, we all have, we also sit down and hear 
all the sides of it. We have to hear both sides of what's going on. We all do at all times, right or wrong or different. Okay, we have to, and it's the only way we can move forward. And but but, but when we get into this crazy stuff that that I I just I it's so twisted and demented almost. I just don't get. I don't get it. They, I lose it. I lose it. Look, then. look. If, I, if, I, if I any any day of the week, I, I I don't I don't know Marlene Pollock very well. But look, she's been elected to office here in town. She's she's an activist. She's got she's got a great resume. She really you know she has. I don't agree with her on a lot of things, but I, clearly she cares. Marlene Pollock would never take the side of a rapist. But in this case, she, she you know she has found herself on the side of a guy who's convicted of rape. She would I don't think she would ever take the side of someone who's convicted of having a large capacity firearm, right? Someone who was arrested for homicide. I don't think Marlene would ever take those sides. But but now here she is on the side of the inmates who are suing the jail and that's who they are, right? I mean it it makes very politics makes very strange strange alliances, right? Very strange. It certainly, it certainly does. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Appreciate and it. Once again, I can say this. I'm so glad you're back. <laughs> I am so happy to hear your voice, man. You sound better every day. Thank you. And it is great. And I'm looking forward to it. I just love listening to your show now. And I'm thank you. I'm thankful you're back. Keep Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Really appreciate the encouragement. Thank you so much. Yeah. Stick around. We'll, uh, we'll be right back, folks. I'm going to take a quick call. If you're on hold, stay there. I will get to you. Remember, at 8 o'clock, we'll have Maureen Boyle. We'll be taking your phone calls at 508-996-0500. If you're on hold, stay there. I have to take a quick break. We'll be... Right back, you listen to South Coast tonight. Listen to us live. The South Coast tonight, I'm Chris McCarthy. Um, remember, at 8 o'clock um, and then till 10 o'clock, we'll have Maureen Boyle talking about her books, The Ghost and Shallow Graves. Until then, I'll be taking your phone calls at 508 996 500. It's kind of open phones if you've got something on your mind. I was talking about the lawsuit that's been filed against the sheriff, giving you an update on some of the, uh, the folks that are making the allegations against the sheriff. That you have a fuller picture, you can um, you can read more about it at wbsm.com. I think I have one phone line open, so let's go to the phones. Good evening. Thanks for calling. Hey, Chris. Yes. Hey, Tom. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, regarding the, the, the sheriff's thing, when, when that story first broke, boy, there, there was a lot of uh, really harsh partisanship comments made uh, from both sides. But one of the things that, that seemed to calm it down uh, it was when they revealed that that there was a video of yes. this, and everybody's you know uh, side taken kind of stopped, and uh, were waiting to to see how that part was going to be revealed. Is there is it true that there is a videotape of that situation? Who has it? And of course, I would assume that would be presented in court. So when I think the time come. I think what we learned from the sheriff was. Um, there's multiple tapes. So, so, the, so when the when the extraction team at the at the jail goes in, they have a video camera of their own. They they apparently tape everything from the briefing to the mission, you know, all the way to the end. Okay, so so there's a videotape like that that exists, and then the sheriff also let us know that there are various cell phone recordings that 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 uh, staff members use their own cell phones to videotape as well. So I believe. Based on what the sheriff told us, there's multiple videos, which makes it very interesting. Oh, now, yeah, because okay. once those are uh, uh, sort of the, the stringing together of the ligaments of all those cameras, then the truth is going to be right in front of people. Absolutely. So the, the sheriff turned over his videotapes and, and all the film he had, he turned it over to, to um, the federal government. 
to the Inspector General's office at Overseas ICE. They were doing an investigation on this. They've never released the investigation. They have the, they have the material, and also the Attorney General has the material. So he'll so, have access to that at some point right. if this thing does go to court. Good. The, the sheriff okay. was saying last night that he's waiting for the investigation to be revealed by the Department of Homeland Security, the inspector general that, that oversees ICE, that, that that's what he was waiting for. And, and, and for that, that to come out, he actually asked Mayorkas when they're going to release it. There's been no release of that. He also says the attorney general could release the video she has, but she... Because no one can stop her from releasing them. She's the attorney general. But she hasn't done that. Now, she told Marcus, her office texted Marcus or, or emailed Marcus because he inquired about it and said that the sheriff could release the videos. But the sheriff is saying, well, you, that's from the attorney general, but he's waiting for the federal government to release the videos. So it right. seems to me that the sheriff's hands are tied by the by the inspector general's office at the federal government level that the attorney general could release the video she has, but for some reason she's not. Um, so that's where we are, we're at. Yes, the videos exist, and I can't explain to you why they haven't been, been released yet. Yeah, I'm assuming, you know, if he is representing uh, one side of the lawsuit uh, for discovery purposes, he can get a judge to order them people to release it, right? I, I mean, I, I really don't know. I just know that, that Tom said that... He didn't. He wasn't going to release it while the investigation was still ongoing. That's what. That's that's how I took his answer to be. Um, yeah, that's a smart thing to do. Right. I think so. I think so. Yeah, yeah, and because yeah. um, you know, if he did release it, they'd say, "Well, he's released it." Edited. For, you know, there's going to be complaints all the way around. I think you're better off just playing by the playing by the rules. But the attorney general, she could release the videos. I don't know why she hasn't. Yeah, She's the attorney general. What are you going to do? Take herself to court? You know. I mean, <laughs> she could release them. Yeah. Interesting. All right, good. That is good clarification. Appreciate it. All right, Tom. You did get my letter. Right? I did get your letter. Thank you so much, my friend. I'll be in touch. All right. Thanks, thanks brother. Thank you, uh, Tom Kennedy. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I think that the, the video is, I, I want to see it. Not because I want to see people getting their heads, you know, split open, guards, corrections officers, or inmates, whatever. Um, but generally speaking, those uh, multiple angles, usually you, you get the truth somewhere in there. Sometimes the um, those um, the cameras that have just one angle can tell just one story. I do realize that, but really, a videotape is um, if it exists, I'd like to see it. I mean, we know it exists. We know from the sheriff telling us it exists. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Hey, the other thing I I, I wanted to bring up um, the parallel products deal. Probably with ten minutes left to go in this hour, I probably shouldn't bring this up, but I'm gonna I'm game. Parallel products, they're the, they're the, 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 uh, the recycling business that was, that's opening up in the north end of New Bedford, in the industrial park. There's been a lot of local opposition to it. The city of New Bedford signed a deal to let them go forward with some restrictions, traffic restrictions. They can't bring in sewerage, which I think was the big complaint, the big, the big worry. Limited amount of traffic, where it could, the traffic can come in. And then a hefty fee to the city of New Bedford, a tipping fee of $2 a ton, which is going to add up real quick. It's going to be a lot of money to the city of New Bedford. And I also don't think the city of New Bedford could have stopped the deal to begin with, quite frankly, as I wrote about at WBSM.com. But now you have some of the neighbors up there. Look, the neighbors up there, I don't blame them. I don't blame them. They're worried about the value of their property. They're worried about the quality of life. I don't blame them whatsoever. 
They're upset. They were protesting in front of City Hall. I'm not a big fan of protests. I don't think I don't think they get you anywhere, really. They want to be part of the process. They're saying we weren't included. You know, we have elected representatives here in New Bedford. They're your representatives, whether you like it or not. If you don't feel that you were represented properly, you've got to deal with it that way. The folks who live in, I'm sorry, the folks that live in Ward 1 are now claiming that, uh, you know, the city of New Bedford has enough pollution. We ought to be exempt from any more type of a refuse, things like that from out of town because the city of New Bedford already takes in enough stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I think that the city of New Bedford got the best deal it could get. And I know that you don't want to hear that if you live up there. I, I, I understand. Believe me, I do. I really do. And it's not NIMBYism. I get it. I mean, look, you, you bought your house. It's a beautiful area up there. Um, you did buy near the industrial park. Um, you didn't figure that the industrial park was ever going to have this in it. But, you know, that that's the reality of it is that, you know, the zoning it allows it. I don't think the city of New Bedford had a leg to stand on. I think that they they did the best they could. Now, look, I was on the board of selectmen in Freetown when we had no choice but to permit a strip joint. I had to give them the license. I didn't want to give them the license. I thought it was terrible. But the zoning was we had to give it to them. Someone burned it to the ground. <laughs> they were never charged. It never, it never was built. I'm not making any suggestions here. But I'm just telling you that I've been in the position that the, the town, of New, the city of New Bedford is in. When you don't have any alternative, they, they struck the best deal they could with Parallel Products. Parallel Products did not buy that property and get, get that piece of property and put all that investment in there if they didn't know they could do it. They knew ahead of time. They've got real legal teams. That's their business. They understand. They knew what they were doing. They never would have started the process. I think they've spent $80 million and anticipate spending $80 million. They wouldn't have spent that kind of money. They wouldn't have moved there. They wouldn't have, if, they, if they weren't confident they were going to get the licensing. And the city of New Bedford struck the best deal they could, I think. And the idea that they should have known ahead of time is impossible. The city of New Bedford has zoning. You can't zone everything out of, out of an area. It's just not, it just can't be done. Corporations have rights. You may not want to hear that. And I know it's, it's not, it's a bitter, swallowed, bitter pill to swallow. I understand. You live up there, you know, you like it, you got, you got a nice house and you're worried about it. I, but I really don't think it's going to be as bad as some of you are worried about. I really don't. Um, but I do feel bad for you. I do. 508-996-0500. That's how you get on the air. We're going to take a very quick break here. Remember, at 8 o'clock, we'll be joined by Maureen Boyle to talk about her two books, The Ghost and Shallow Graves. Very local, very sad, very interesting stories. Quite frankly, neither of them are really solved. She's written the books, but there's still a lot more to talk about. 508-996-0500. Hi, I'm Chris McCarthy. Again, Marcus is away for the weekend, so he's, he's at a wedding. He'll be back on Monday, though. We'll be back to normal on Monday um, in the next hour, all the way through to 10 o'clock. I think it's very appropriate to be doing a night show um, with Maureen Boyle. We're going to be talking about the New Bedford Highway serial killer, her book, uh, Shallow Graves, and her other book called The Ghost, which is a fascinating story. In fact, it came out, I was sick. 
So I was looking forward to interviewing. I read the book. In fact, I'm in the book. So, but uh, Maureen, Maureen got the book to me uh, while I was while I was uh, healing. So I'm been looking forward to this interview for quite quite a number of months, really. Um, so we'll be doing that next hour. You want to stick around here to 1420 WBSM? We joined by Maureen Boyle again. You can go to Amazon right now and get her books, The Ghost and Shallow Graves. We'll be right back. To begin with. And again, she'll be taking your calls at 508-996-0500. The one thing we've always had in the past, we've had Maureen here a couple of times over the years, is some of you know something. Some of you may think you know something, right? This case is still yet to be solved. It will be solved. I am convinced that the highway killer case will be solved. I am. I am absolutely convinced of it. It took years for uh, for the body of the killer of the police chief of Saxon to finally be found that 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 mystery is incredible we will be starting with that because i do think that many of you are unfamiliar with that story you know the story he may have been your neighbor and you never realized it right so when we come back from the commercial break stick around for the- 